Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Chatting Like Champions. The Champions League has finally got underway and that means we are well and truly back in full swing, bringing you updates at each stage of the tournament. Today we'll be talking about match day 1 and how the results affect the groups and any surprises that possibly happened. To do this I am of course joined by Alex and Pavan. So how are you guys doing today? All good, thank you very much. Brilliant. Alright, so... Let's start. Let's get right into it, shall we? So, obviously, Group A saw a very entertaining match day, which included a six-three win to City against Leipzig and a one-all draw between PSG and Club Bruges. The result between City and Leipzig possibly made it the game of the round. Um, what did you make of the game, Pavan? I mean, yeah, it was, it was end to end. Manchester City scoring six goals, but you, you never, you rarely see City, uh, you know, concede so many goals on the on the on the break and you know Leipzig you know although their defense was extremely questionable uh, not to mention Nordi Mukiele with that uh, horrific own goal um but no I think it was yeah it was it was interesting to see why City conceded so many goals and it was like one after the other City would score then Leipzig would score to um reduce the uh reduce the gap to to only one um but I thought you know City's attacking play seemed to just tear open Leipzig and Jesse March hasn't quite got Leipzig firing yet and the transition from the Nagelsmann era to his is uh seems a lot rougher than I think many of us imagined um despite you know uh, the Red Bull group's best efforts as we discussed last week to uh you know make make that a seamless transition um but you know City just doing what they do best just scoring loads of goals uh, of course, Jack Grealish scoring and assisting on his Champions League debut, which he'll be uh, thrilled about. Um, and, you know, I, I know City, we always say City, are, you know, uh, have bought the Champions League because, uh, you know, they always get Porto in their group. Well, it's not, not being the case this year, um, but, you know, their ex-player in Angelino got sent off. So they always seem to have some some dark connection uh, that makes, you know, make, makes the game just, a, just that bit easier. Um, and I found it a bit amusing that, uh, Pep was trying to rally Manchester City fans to come and watch City oh, yeah. against Southampton at three o'clock on Saturday <laughs> because there were, I'm guessing, there were empty seats. There um, was a lot of empty seats. Yeah, so uh, that's it's. I don't know. It's it's it. It must be quite a quite a big sucker punch to Pep that he's like you know one of the best managers ever play some of the best football and uh, he's seeing empty seats in, you know, the opening Champions League game. Uh, but, you know, it, it doesn't really matter because they got the three points in in style. Um, Nathan Ake scoring on his debut and just, you know, job done really. And But work, a lot of work to be done for Leipzig. Uh, but, you know, good uh, hat-trick for Christopher and Kunku. So a good individual performance, but just too, too open and just leaking way too many goals at the moment, Leipzig are. Yeah, it it definitely looked like a very entertaining game to watch. But um, let's move on to the game that you watched, Alex. Uh, PSG versus Club Bruges. I mean, it should have realistically been quite an easy game for PSG, let's face it. So what went wrong for Poch's men in a game where they should really be winning? Well, I sat down last night and I was extremely excited to see Messi, Mbappe and Neymar all playing together for the first time. And I sat down... And the game was pretty boring, if I'm honest. Uh, PSG looked like they should have won, but Club Bruges weren't bad. And 
They actually had a couple standout players. There, um, there was a player called Lang who won Man of the Match. He was fantastic, and I'm going to butcher this name, but there was this number ten slash striker called De Ketteleran, who was really good for Club Bridge, and he looks really exciting. But on PSG's side, they were pretty poor. It, it looked like they didn't really know what they were doing or what was going on. Uh, so they left Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi all the way up the pitch. And they didn't come back and help, and it just let Club Bruges kind of walk their way in and uh, cut apart the defence. And then on the attack, PSG just looked lost. I mean, there was no Hakimi, so it wasn't full strength, and Verratti wasn't playing, I don't think. Um, and yeah, Messi kept coming deep, and the PSG players looked confused as to why he was there, and it didn't really mesh well. And Pochettino says in his post-match that, I mean, players need time to gel. They need to get used to it, and they'll get better, but... Yeah, it was a really poor showing by PSG, and I think City will get out of this group as as top, and then PSG might struggle for second place if Leipzig can put in a good game against them. Yeah, it may not have been an interesting game for you, but it was certainly better than the Nottingham Forest game I was at. So, <laughs> um, Group B also had its fair share of fireworks, with a 3-2 win for Liverpool over AC Milan, and a fairly dull 0-0 draw between Porto and Atletico Madrid. So we'll focus on the um, Liverpool-AC Milan game here. Uh, Obviously, Liverpool triumphing over AC Milan in what seemed to be a fairly one-sided game from a statistical point of view. But do the stats paint the whole picture here, Alex? Uh, not really, no. I mean, Liverpool kept coming forward early in the game and they looked like they were threatening from minute one. And they obviously got their goal from a, a Tomori own goal, which doesn't take away from Tomori's performance because he was excellent and I, I thought he was really good and Chelsea will surely miss him. But, yeah, stats don't tell the full story. AC Milan came back on the stroke of half-time and they, they looked threatening too and both teams looked like they could score. Rebic looked really good. But, yeah, Liverpool were just too strong in the end. I mean... Um, uh, Henderson's winner was a, a fantastic goal and you, you forget Liverpool also missed a penalty too so the game was easier than than the scoreline would suggest but it wasn't by no means a walk in the park for Liverpool It's another Champions League kind of classic game obviously a lot of history there um, so it was always expected to be a good game between those two and it certainly did deliver <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Suitcase of a Superstar. Uh, It's my turn to host and uh, we've already had three rounds of uh, Suitcase of a Superstar, which means everybody has had a chance to guess and pick a player to present. Um, And after that, after this kind of first set of round, uh, first set of rounds, we've got, uh, we're all tied on four points, actually. So despite Alex's best efforts to try and, you know, sabotage uh, me and Kieran, (laughs) we are still hanging on in there. So... uh, I'll see if I can take some revenge this week. But uh, your first clue uh, was was inspired by uh, by Kieran's clue from last week. So, you know, you can thank Kieran for this. This player was born in Par- Paramibo in Suriname. He was born on the uh, on the first of April, nineteen seventy six. Ah. Well, sorry, that's, I had to do it. That's that's the way it has to go. Oh, yeah. This person has managed AC Milan, Deportivo La Coruña, a Chinese club called SZFC, and the Cameroonian national team. I think I got it. Wait, are you being serious? Yeah, no, no seriously. I think I got it. Oh, crap. Yeah, Deportivo La Coruña. Oh, crap. Are you actually, managed. Are you gonna... um, managed. 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 But it's a player. 
An ex-player. Well, I don't know. You have to work that bit out, don't you? You can't be a manager, can it? I don't know any. Oh. Um. Are, are um, you are you going for it, Kieran, or are you going to wait? I don't know. Oh um, God. Oh no, I've made this way too oh. easy. Oh no. No, you haven't. Kieran's just a nutter. I know. I was, I was thinking, how have you got this? You know what? Screw it. I'll go for it. Why not? Content. <laughs> content. Content. Here we go. Oh, I really hope you get this wrong. Otherwise, okay, let's oh, see. Oh, wait. Wait. No, no. Carry on. Uh, group C witnessed a 5-1 win to Ajax over Sporting and a Dortmund win over Besiktas, ending uh, 2-1. Pavan, we've spoken very highly of a few Dortmund players um, over the past kind of two seasons of chatting like champions. Obviously, Haaland and Drew Bellingham, uh, two of them in particular, uh, both got on the score sheet this game, obviously. Um, how would you rate their performance and the overall team performance in this game? Yeah, I think Dortmund were were pretty impressive. Um, they always seem to... I don't think they've actually kept a clean sheet. Not that I can remember. Maybe the maybe the first game or second game of the season but yeah they always seem to just kind of not not quite they can't quite close out a game um but their attack is you know second to none really with uh i thought Daniel marlon was um at a solid performance nothing amazing but uh was able to link play and get harland into the game quite a lot um but as you said i think jude bellingham is just an absolute joke at the moment he's um he it's 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 the fact that he's he's developing into a complete midfielder, and he might even be like an elite uh, a goal scoring midfielder as well as a box to box midfielder before he even turns twenty. I mean, it's 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 mental. Um, the that that wide right centre mid role in that diamond midfield shape that Rose is playing is making him having to go out uh, and help Munier because basically Thomas Munier is. I don't know, he's, he's average. I mean, Dortmund were looking for a right-back in the transfer window and didn't manage to get one. Um, so he's having to help him defensively, but then he also uh, links well with Haaland and gets into the box, as we saw for his goal. So I, I, there's, there's really isn't, there really isn't a, a glaring weakness. Maybe his, maybe his, like, kind of his physicality, but he, he's very hungry to get into challenges. Um, and if he, like, you know, builds up his stature, he's already got a really good frame to become a huge physical presence in the midfield that I just think he's he's just going to carry on you know being a top player and he's almost ready made to go into any team it's not like one of those uh, Dortmund players like maybe um, I don't know maybe like a Bamiang or Usman Dembele who kind of needs a certain uh, combination with a fullback or need a certain uh, central attacking midfielder to feed them he can basically, I think, play in a midfield three, in a double pivot, play a bit higher. So, yeah, his his development is just freakish. Um, but Dortmund, you know, getting the job done. Um, and I thought, you know, routine performance, very impressive. Um, just need to shore up at the back because they uh, they don't do themselves any favours there. No, they never really make it easy for themselves. And there's always a bit of drama in a Dortmund game. Um but definitely exciting times for Dortmund fans and English football fans uh, on like the talking about Drew Bellingham there. Uh, he's definitely one to watch over the next few seasons to see how his development keeps going. Uh, Ajax and Sporting was set up as a fairly even game when Alex Benji and I previewed it a few episodes ago. But obviously Ajax won that game 5-1, which 
very one-sided game in the end. So how did Ajax become so dominant throughout the game, Alex? I think it's all down to Sebaler, really. He was uh, incredible, you know. It's crazy. When he left Frankfurt, everyone thought West Ham had picked up a brilliant player. And I was actually quite surprised when he didn't really kick on in the Premier League. And mm. West Ham ended up selling him for around £20 million less to Ajax. And he's, he's looked inspired and we're actually seeing how good he can be. I mean, Sporting's not a bad side. They performed really, really well in the league of notes last year and they won it. I know they don't have Nunmenj anymore, but they've got some really good players and they're not a pushover. This Portuguese league is uh, better than many people give it credit for and the Dutch league is too and Ajax just showed their class. Uh, Anthony was brilliant on the wing um, and Haller was just uh, inspired. Yeah, it, it was definitely a strange kind of season when Haller just didn't kick on the Prem, especially the numbers he was putting up in the German league. Mm. Um, perhaps he wasn't given enough time to perform. We will never know. It's likely that he won't be coming back to the Premier League, to be honest. He seems to be killing it over in the Netherlands. So definitely an exciting team once again, Ajax have got there. Uh, Group D uh, also saw two teams emerge victorious, with Real Madrid and debutant Sheriff both picking up three points in a 1-0 victory over Inter and a 2-0 win over Shakhtar, respectively. Um, Real Madrid and Inter was another game to watch that we kind of picked out, me, Benji and Alex, when we previewed it at Pavan. And it was really intriguing to see how Inter will fare after losing so many key players. Is it a fair assessment to say that Inter still looked like a Champions League team um, in, after what was a very close game with Real Madrid? Yeah, I think, you know, maybe people will look at the result and think, OK, Champions League is a bit too much of a step up. Um, Antonio Conte's never been good in the Champions League. Uh, they didn't get out the group last year. Um, but no, I think if you watch the game and looked at the stats, I think they created nearly three XG against uh, Real Madrid. And, it, you know, Inzaghi was very um, impressed and, you know, wanted to praise the good work that his team did. Um, so I think they did themselves, you know, they put on a good showing, to be honest, against Real Madrid. Um, now, you know, late goal, after some brilliance from Camavinga again coming on for his Champions League debut for Real Madrid um, and Rodrigo scoring. But no, I think, you know, Dumfries did quite well. I don't think he started or played uh, that many games yet. Darmian's been playing. Um, but, you know, bringing Dzeko in, having that partnership up top with Lautaro Martinez, the back three uh, with the goalkeeper still the same and that defence is still pretty formidable. Um, so I think, you know, they're going to be very exciting to watch uh, and hopefully they can do a little bit better than they did under Conte in the Champions League because um, otherwise I think people are just going to say, OK, they lost Lukaku and Hakimi, so they've fallen off. Uh, but they started off really well in, in Serie A uh, and I think, you know, they kept players there who will, um, you know, keep the team going and they seem to be playing very nice, expressive football when they get the ball. So... Uh, I do, I will back I will back them to get second place, uh, but you know Real Madrid is hanging on in there, and uh, you know the subs doing the job really. Obviously, Real Madrid are in a bit of a tough situation, a lot like their uh, rivals Barcelona, which we're going to talk about in Group E. Your third clue is the uh, I'm one of the few players to play for both Milan teams at the San Siro. I won the Champions League twice mm. with the red side of Milan. I got this then. Yeah, well, maybe. Alex, <laughs> any closer? Wait, 
would have got. I would have got on that clue anyway. So I'm uh, happy. Okay. What? The biggest clash of match day one, uh, which was obviously Bayern against Barcelona, which ended in a three nil win to Bayern, and then Benfica and Dinamo Kiev also played out a one all draw. So we're focused on obviously the Barcelona Bayern game there. Um, Barcelona returned to face Bayern after their eight two smashing um, last time out, and. It was only to get another big defeat, to be honest. Uh, obviously, a 3-0 win to Bayern. But, Alex, obviously, we, we kind of did like a Barcelona special a few episodes ago and went into detail about it. But is there a clearer picture to what is actually going wrong at Barcelona? And is there really any hope for them in the Champions League this season? There's absolutely no hope. Uh, it was it was a really sorry display from Barcelona. They just weren't good at all. Luke de Jong looked awful up front yeah. and uh, the defence was pretty awful too. If, if I single out Eric Garcia, I don't like to do it because he is quite young and he's coming into a, a new league. I know he's played there before in the youth team, but it is quite new for him. But turning your back on a shot and letting it deflect is one of the cardinal sins as a defender. and It's just amateurish. And then Barcelona just looked lethargic and they didn't look happy and you know, there's there's definitely something going on in the dressing room, maybe because Messi's left, they're all a bit uninspired. But what's even more worrying is Coman's comments after the match where he goes, he's happy with his team and he thought they were all right and he's joking, he's laughing. It's, it just doesn't seem right. And it's really sad to see because Barcelona are a great historic team and they just look like they have no hope at the moment. And you've got to feel sorry for players like Frankie de Jong who have been giving it all for the team for two, three years now and that he's just getting offered nothing to help and maybe it'll get better when Fatty starts playing and players like Demir get given a chance over players like Luke de Jong, which must be one of the most stupidest signings in football history. But yeah, it's not good for Barcelona. They're not I don't think they they might not even get out of the group, but drop into the Europa League it'd be quite astounding for a team like that and surely Coman will get the sack before the end of the year. Haven't do you have anything to add about the Barcelona situation? Because obviously it's quite a big kind of thing that's going on at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a lot like the Arsenal situation in how they're asking fans and you know the support to uh, rally behind the young talent that's coming through because the young talent is of a very high ilk, but it's the it's the players you're putting around the young players that don't give them. A chance or a platform, as as Alex has said, I I absolutely do not understand what Luke de Jong brings to Barcelona. He's a target man, which is exactly goes against anything that you know Barcelona are known for in the in their style of play. Um, and you know, kind of Upamecano and 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 Sula just kind of dominated him. Depay was trying to do it all on his own because he was getting no help. Um, but I don't know. It's it's hard because. I think the Barcelona crowd were were trying to stay uh, supportive because of all the young talent that was there. I think Gavi, Demir came on. Um, when Jordi Alba got injured, uh, I think it's is it Alejandro Balde who came on? He looked quite impressive uh, at left back. So, you know, some minutes that need to be given to him. Um, I thought Araujo was, was pretty good up against Alfonso Davies. Didn't uh, surrender much. But when you've got Eric Garcia, as Alex mentioned, who won... Uh, a quarter of his aerial jewels and ground jewels. It's not, it, it just doesn't all glue together. Um, so yeah, it, it's tough. And I think there's been talks of emergency, uh, kind of a, an emergency meeting between Koeman and uh, Laporta. 
and if this doesn't get better even even to a to an extent where you can see the plan then i think he's going to he has he's going to get the sack um but i don't trust barcelona to hire the right manager they're going to go for some one who's you know linked to the barcelona style of football in some way and it's just i don't know it's it it's not it's not looking any better uh, maybe when Aguero and Fatty come back, it'll be okay. But you know, Fatty's been out for so long that they're just going to pin all their hopes on him. Um, but yeah, they are in a dire situation, and the Champions League is pretty much a write-off because they don't have the quality or the uh, the experience to get through. Um, and just a just a comment on Bayern. I thought they were really impressive. Didn't really get out of second gear in terms of their attacking play, but um, were just strolling around and. Musiala is just next quality, you know, next level, isn't he? He's, the the ball just sticks to him like glue, um, and the way he plays, I think, you know, it's it's just mesmerising. So yeah, he was he was insane. Upper Meccano played really well, um, and you know, just more uh, more confidence for Bayern to carry on because Nagelsmann is starting to find his feet there. You kind of um, mentioned about the crowd needing to get on side against young players. There's actually been reports that. Um, Sergi Roberto actually was like in floods of tears because mm. of um because of his treatment throughout the game. Obviously, the fans booing him throughout that game. So it really shows that like the Barcelona fans are starting to turn on the players here. But Group F saw a shock result where young boys obviously beat Manchester United, winning two one. Um, while Atalanta and Villarreal played out a two all draw. Um. I saw you dancing there, Pavan. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this one. Uh, the shock of the shock of the match week was obviously the young boys' result, where they beat Barcelona, Barcelona, Manchester United, <laughs> after a huge mistake by Jesse Lingard, gifted a late goal to the opposition. Uh, obviously, not quite the start Ronaldo would have wanted on his return to Europe with the Red Devils. So, give us your thoughts on the game and what went wrong uh, for this United side. Well, yeah, as you said, I mean, the first, the, the Manchester United goal was actually, you know, uh, you know, very well executed, a lovely outside of the boot cross from Bruno Fernandes, and then uh, Ronaldo is there to meet it. Um, but after that, I mean, I don't know what what the tactics were from Oli. They were very, uh, very questionable. They weren't really imposing themselves on the game. And, you know, no disrespect to young boys, but they are not exactly one of the teams who, you know, you, you look at and think this might be a tough away game because of the crowd and stuff. But uh, they the way Manchester United played allowed the crowd to think, OK, we may be able to get a result here. You know, made the atmosphere nice and uh, fiery. Um, and then Wan-Bissaka goes off with a with a loose touch and uh, executes his, his usually very well time tackles uh, very poorly. And uh, it was a red card, no... No doubts about that. Um, lost the ball and just, you know, wasn't. It just needed to take a step back and and recollect himself. But went in for the challenge and, you know, simple decision for the ref. Um, but after that, I think was the most worrying bit because what Ollie's subs were, I I don't think many people understand. He took, um, he had to, he sacrificed Sancho, which I mean, Sancho is still trying to find his feet at United. Didn't get the chance. That that that's no help to him. Um, so Dallo came on for him and then he he brought Varane on. I think he went five at the back um, and then he started taking 
Fernandez. He took Ronaldo off, of course, for Lingard at the end. Um, brought, uh, I think he took. He may have taken Van der Beek off as well. Um, and he, I don't know. He, he just he just seemed to surrender possession of the ball and just allowed young boys to really grow into the game, um, get the crowd going, and then they were up against it. And you know, people will say, okay, it's Lingard's fault, but. I think it was deserved, really. You can't um, just, you know, hang on for a 1-1 or 1-0, you know, with that kind of scoreline, 10 men away uh, with the, you know, calibre of players you've got. It was just hoof it up to Ronaldo, who was going down with any slight contact in the box to try and get a penalty. Um, and it just, I don't know, it, it just felt like a repeat of the uh, Istanbul Basaksehir result that happened last year. But I'd say this is actually worse because of the players they've had, the summer they've had, um, and just going down to 10 men, we've seen how the best teams cope. I mean, people were using the uh, Chelsea example when they went away to Liverpool, you know, locked it up, had a plan and stayed in the game and got a point away at Anfield. And it was totally, totally the reverse from United. They seemed to just surrender the game uh, surrendered the ball and thought we're, we're just gonna have to sit in for however long it was I think 60-50 minutes um, and just you know kind of hang on for dear life which I don't think was needed so early on uh, in the game so yeah I think worrying result I don't think it will impact them getting out of the group but it just shows you that I don't know there's questions over Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and uh, yeah Manchester United are they always seem to shoot themselves in the foot as soon as you think they've come over a hurdle they seem to just create a new one and fall over again so yeah it's um i don't know it's it's worrying uh but i think they'll be okay getting out of the group but yeah questions need to be asked there yeah definitely um definitely a case there that ole needs to look at his tactics and start thinking about possibly making plan Bs for when stuff does mm. like that does go wrong. Because that's the difference between the best managers. As you said, the whole Tuchel kind of comparison there. Um, as soon as Chelsea went down to 10 men against Liverpool, he knew what he was going to do. He knew how to execute it well, how to stay in the game. Mm. Whereas Oli, they looked like they were going to concede every yeah. minute pretty much. And it there's only so long you can hang on when you have that much pressure building against you, no matter who you are. But uh, the other game in that group was obviously Atalanta-Villarreal. Obviously, you've been watching Atalanta quite a bit, Pavan, uh, so far this season. So do you want to kind of talk about that tool draw a bit? Yeah, so, I mean, on the weekend, I caught loads of Serie A action um, from BT Sport coverage. I actually really enjoyed it. It was really good. Um, but I watched Atalanta play um, Fiorentina, uh, lost 2-1, wasn't wasn't a great showing. Vlahovic scored two penalties um, and Zapata scored a, scored a pen to, to get one back. But uh, yeah, they weren't full strength on the weekend and it didn't seem like they were quite full strength against Villarreal either. Um, Demiral seemingly not uh, being given a start yet, which I find a bit worrying um, for Atalanta and for my uh, pick your passengers uh, results as he's uh, as he's one of my players but uh, nevertheless they didn't quite um, it just looks sloppy really they're giving the ball away and a team like Villarreal are are set up to capitalize on those mistakes and they did um, you know getting that goal through Manu Trigueros uh, and then uh, Dan Juma um, 
coming on uh, and uh, and scoring another goal. He scored a goal against Atletico Madrid. Looks like they've paid the money for a championship player and he's, you know, really performing um, alongside Gerard Moreno. So he might have to get a start in over Idea, who is also my picky passengers player. So it's not uh, looking very good uh, from that fixture for me. Um, but uh, yeah, Atalanta didn't quite, I don't know, they just, they're not, they don't look them usual selves yet. Um, I don't know if that's because players like Muriel and players like that are, are you know, haven't haven't got back to fitness. But they, uh, I think Gasparini's been talking about whether they should have signed a striker because uh, Ilicic is, you know, aging, hasn't quite got back to that, um, those twilight uh, performances where he was scoring four goals in the Champions League against Valencia a, a season or two ago. Uh, Papu Gomez, of course, left in uh, last January. Um, they just look a bit short in that department. Zapata only just coming back from fitness. So, yeah, a, a slow start from Atalanta. But I guess they'll be happy to, uh, you know, at least have taken a point with uh, Robin Gerson's getting that late goal. Um, but, yeah, I think Villarreal is doing quite well in the in the, uh, in the the Champions League after winning the Europa League. Uh, and an interesting group uh, with, you know, Manchester United losing. So, you know, I think it's it's all up for grabs in that group, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting group to watch. Um, a lot of talent in all of the teams there, to be honest, um, other than possibly young boys. But then they proved us wrong with that result mm. against Manchester United, which could be a huge three points to them, for them at the end of the day, especially um, hoping to get into the Europa League. Clue number four is this player is the only player to ever lift the Champions League with three different clubs. Group G was the only group not to see a win with both Salzburg, Sevilla uh, and Lille Wolfsburg uh, ending in draws. Not going to kind of linger on it too long, but obviously there was a lot of penalties in the Salzburg-Sevilla game. Um, and Paban, you, you kind of caught like the end of that game or, mm. or you caught a part of it. So do you want to just kind of explain what happened with that situation? Yeah. Four penalties awarded in the first half. Um, I mean, that's pretty mental. And uh, three of them went to uh, Salzburg. And I think Adiemi, Karim Adiemi, who's, you know, on fire at the moment, on the radar being linked to Liverpool and very, you know, a lot of top clubs. Uh, I think he scored on his debut for Germany. So definitely one to watch. Another striker coming out of uh, uh, coming out of Salzburg. Um and yeah, he was just a problem. I don't know what Sevilla were doing, but they were just kind of um, taking him out every time he got to the the penalty area. The, I think I think it may have been the first or second penalty that they was awarded that Jesus Navas, you know, I don't know, I don't know what he's doing. Like Adiem is just uh, actually running away from goal, gives him a little push in the back. Yeah, it's soft, but there's no need to give the referee a decision to make there. Um, and yeah, Adiemi was just kind of terrorising their defenders. Um but he stepped up for the first penalty, hit it wide, um, and then he was off penalty duty. So the 19-year-old midfielder, I think it's Sercic, scored the second. Then they're awarded a third penalty, which Sercic then missed. Um, so they could have been 3-0 up and they were only 1-0 up. Um, and then Sevilla went down the other end, won a penalty themselves and Rakitic scored it. Um, but I didn't catch much of the second half. I think it was quite dull after that. But... Uh, yeah, just a, a bit of a bit of crazy action there. Uh, two, you know, pretty good teams. Uh, I think Salzburg will be quite happy that they didn't 
lose to Sevilla because I think we would all say Sevilla are probably the favourites to top the group. Um, and then with the uh, with the draw uh, against uh, Lille and Wolfsburg, I mean, Alex, do you where do you see this this group ending up? There's no real clear uh, favourites. Uh, as we said, I think maybe Sevilla are, but uh, with the draw, with two draws, uh, it's all up for grabs. So who do you think is going to kind of qualify? It's really hard to say. I actually think this group could end in whatever order, really. I, f- I do think Sevilla will top the group, but mm. Salzburg, Leo and Wolfsburg are all, all around the same level, I think. I think Salzburg have a brilliant uh, team this year. Talking about um, Adeyemi, he's He's going to get a big move soon. Um, and Lukas Sukic in midfield too. He's, a, he's really amazing. Salzburg have, have another great team. Uh, Lille Wolfsburg, that was a really boring game really. Uh, Angel Gomez had a chance to win it late on. And uh, Wolfsburg had a player sent off. It was pretty even. Uh, yeah, it, it could really go either way. I mean, there's really no telling. I think Sevilla will top it. But for second, third, fourth, it could be whatever. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you guys that Sevilla are definitely favourites there. Although Salzburg could possibly um, come top as well, I think. They they definitely have a very uh, exciting squad as shown in that game. But um, it's definitely going to be an interesting group to watch. Um, although I don't think any of them would really progress far into the tournament. Um, mm. even if they did get through the uh, groups. But it, it's still exciting for those fans to be given the chance to watch their teams in Europe, obviously. But um, the final group, Group H, did not really present any surprises, with Chelsea beating Zenit 1-0 and Juventus having a routine kind of win, beating Malmo 3-0. Obviously, Juventus have started the season in Serie A quite poorly. Um, they're only... Like I think it's a point above the relegation zone, and it, it it's just not looking very good for them at the moment. Um, obviously they sacked Perlo hoping to get an improvement, but it doesn't seem to be happening. Which obviously begs the question whether it was down to tactical errors or whether it is just this team needing to be overhauled. Um, but obviously we we'll, we might speak about that in a future episode. Um, but. Alex, your team, your your team being the only team that we can speak about in the Champions League, unfortunately, um, you beat you were in action and beat Zenit one 0 So, how do you see this campaign going? And will the pressure of being one of the favourites to get to go all the way get to the squad in any way? No, not really. I think this squad is pretty bulletproof mentally wise. I mean, they lost the FA Cup to Leicester and then bounced back pretty amazingly and won the Champions League final I think they're quite strong mentally and this new sort of core of young players looks like uh, quite grounded and it looks like they know what they have to do and and Tuchel is an amazing coach and I'm sure he can keep them realistic and not uh, fall victim to the pressure but talking about the game versus Zen it was quite a a slow boring game Chelsea looked really lethargic and it it surprised me really because they're you know, kicking off their Champions League defence. Uh, but yeah, Zenit looked pretty good. They were occupying the half spaces and they were really packing the midfield, which uh, means we have to go wide for our wing-backs. And then because we're not really playing wingers at the top, we're playing inside tens, the wing-backs were kind of reluctant to push forward. And Reese James and Alonso aren't really players that like to beat players on the dribble. So it was quite difficult for us to get the ball out. And then... Yeah, it, it looked like it was going to end nil-nil, but, you know, 
it shows how important Lukaku was in being signed for the team because he literally had one chance and he put it away. A brilliant cross by Azpilicueta and a brilliant header by Lukaku. But it shows how important it is. They say the best teams win when they're not playing well. And that's exactly what we did. And it's exactly the type of result that you need. It's the type of game that we would have lost last season under Frank Lampard. So there are obviously going to be games where you don't play as well as as you could. But it's important to still win. And that's exactly what we did. You can't really be unhappy. I, I know Tuchel kind of said in his presser, there's nothing really much to talk about. <laughs> we won and that's all that matters. And then on to the next game. I know we got a big game against Spurs on the weekend. And... We always turn up for the Spurs game. So, yeah, I really think Chelsea can do a, a job in the Champions League this season and we should really be aiming for the semis, if not the final. They're definitely a team to watch. And to be honest, I think semis is too low for your aspirations. I think you should definitely be aiming for the final, especially after winning it last year. And your squad has only got better since then. Your fifth and final clue is this player was part of the golden generation of Dutch players winning four Champions Leagues and regarded as one of the best midfielders of his generation. If it's Seedorf, I'm going to kill myself. Well, what are you going for? You've, you've, I need, I'm, going I need for, I'm going for Seedorf. You're locking it in? Yes. Okay. So let's go to Pavan to reveal the suitcase of a superstar and how me and Alex both did in that. Yes, so uh, Alex is... Physically beating himself up as I uh, as, that, as that transition happened there. Um, so, yes, uh, Kieran, you guessed um, at clue two, the earliest we've had this this season. I, oh God, I can't, I can't, I don't know how you got that, but anyway, you got that right, uh, Alex. You uh, you didn't even text because you just had to uh, say it out of frustration after the fifth clue. Um, but the player was indeed Clarence Seedorf. Oh. Firstly, Kieran, how have you got that? Uh, clue two. It's such like an obscure set of teams to manage. Like, there's, I don't think there's ever been another manager that has managed like Deportivo La Coruña and the Cameroonian national team. It, it's, Was it those it, two? It, Was it those two teams? Yeah, that yeah, they, yeah. They were the only two that like did it, and then obviously Milan as well also added to it as well. But. Hmm. Um, there's such like an obscure set of teams that there's not going to be any other manager that has ever managed those three specific teams. Mm. So I suppose if you know about Seedorf's um, kind of managerial career, you're going to get that pretty easily. Mm. And Alex, what went wrong for you? I'm, I'm actually kicking myself. I'm really annoyed because I'm pretty sure I said Seedorf at like yeah, three, three, three thinking of maybe, and I wasn't sure because I had no idea about his management career. I'm, I know it was probably it was at AC Milan, and I should have put two and two together. Obviously, Suriname being an ex-Dutch colony, and going with Dutch and AC Milan. There's only him or Hullet, and Hullet managed Chelsea, so I would have picked that. Mm. Out. So, Hullet was the other quite, player I was going to do. I'm quite annoyed, quite annoyed at myself because I should have just gone with my gut earlier, and I've missed out on I've three points down to Kira now. So I'm you are, you are physically, mentally raging. <laughs> I get, I get, I think it, I think it is you, Alex, isn't it, to pick, uh, to host next week. Yeah, so, have fun, guys. No, whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> it's, it's your fault. You got this one wrong. Yeah, not my fault. You, you should be, you should be going for Kieran. Yeah, you should be going for Kieran. Not me. Not me okay? No friendly fire here. Anyway, that that obviously brings the episode to an end. Thank you for listening. Make sure to check out check out all of our socials at Champions URN on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. 
Also, check out our blog. Links in the bio on our socials. Uh, we we update it every time we put an episode out, and there will eventually be extra content put up when we have time around our studies. Um, so pick your passengers submissions have now closed, but we want to obviously thank you all again for making that such a big success. I think we had a hundred and one entries in the end, wasn't it, yep. Pavan? Yeah. And we have obviously put up an update on our socials about who is the most picked players. So make sure you go check that out. And there will be um, there will be updates in the future about how well everyone is doing, and what and players to kind of watch out for in that kind of um, in that game. So, as always, thank you for flying Chatham Night Champions. We hope to see you again soon.